Hello everyone, welcome to Burley Fisher's Isolation Station. This week we are doing something a little different. We are hosting the debut episode of another podcast. Sam, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yep, so this is Radio Lantern, the Quiet Rooms podcast. Each week we're going to be celebrating a track from the debut release from Anthony Hurley Mm -hmm. uh, with a cover and a track from the album itself um, and a discussion around both the cover and the track. So... We're featuring as a kind of bottle episode uh, on Burley Fisher's Isolation Station, the debut uh, episode of that podcast. So if you enjoy this, please do go over to uh, Radio Lantern's dedicated channel and like and follow them there and you'll be able to see subsequent episodes each week. Available on Spotify and Podbean. Enjoy, everyone. Hi, this is Anthony Hurley and welcome to the Quiet Rooms podcast. This is Place to Be by Nick Drake.
Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to Anthony. Uh, my name's Dan Fuller. I'll be your host for this evening, alternating with my good friend Sam Fisher, CEO, co-founder of Lantern Records. <laughs> Just got the cards printed. <laughs> um, we'll of course joined this evening by Anthony Hurley, whose debut LP, Quiet Rooms, uh, is the object of the podcast today. Object? Is that the right word? I'm not sure. Subject? Subject. 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 <laughs> Wow. Thought you, I, thought, I thought you were good at this. Yeah. <laughs> Getting stuck in the, the reeds of grammar and the. <laughs> Already. Yeah. Um, okay, just to give you guys a kind of intro to what the podcast's about. The Quiet Rooms podcast will be comprised of 11 covers uh, performed by Anthony, paired with the 11 tracks of the Quiet Rooms LP. Um, each episode will be comprised of discussion about the artist who Anthony's chosen to cover and how they coincide with the tracks on the album. We'll be talking about influences, anecdotes, and just having a bit of a laugh. Um, interrogating Anthony. Interrogating Anthony. <laughs> I'm in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Anthony, the first question I had is why Nick Drake as number one? That's a good question. Nick Drake, I think, is the, the, the kind of the, the artist that sort of goes through most musical things that I do maybe it's because I sort of found him at that age sort of late teen years when you're sort of looking for that thing wondering sort of where you're going what you're going to do you know you have this kind of interest and then yeah you sort of find one CD or one album and yeah I think I listened to Pink Moon most days for about two years Mm -hmm. from the age of sort of 17 to 19 and yeah, just it heavily influenced my guitar playing and songwriting and yeah. Yeah. Um, what is it about that album specifically? Is there something about the mystique of it that appeals to you? I mean, yeah, going I think... from the macro to the, we'll start with the album and then we can go to the track and then we can go to the version of the track which you were covering. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I think that album especially is the kind of mis- the, the mystical Nick Drake album because it's kind of it was never forgotten but I think at the time it was he'd had a, a pretty good start and then it kind of the interest had tailed off he wasn't touring I don't think Island Records paid for him to be in the studio to do it so he had to do it after hours in a studio in West London and yeah so like him in front of the mic at three in the morning doing these songs Mm. just mm. overdubbing vocals and guitar yeah has that kind of deep mystery to it which is it does have a kind of dead of night quality about it as well doesn't yeah. it yeah yeah and also I find weirdly I think people Nick, t- talk about Nick Drake and they kind of talk about the despair and stuff of his music but I find his music very like hopeful and yeah you know that it has the opposite effect for me to be honest yeah um, I'm not sure why that is but yeah definitely fills me with a different feeling never like walking around you know like moping about London like oh, you know like Nick Drake it's kind of it's more I find it joyful you know yeah I think there's something to that kind of yearning melancholy that can play both ways and yeah. I think you know it's something that plays out in your track end of the day which is the track that we kind of paired this with which we'll come to later to mm. little tease indeed um, yeah um I suppose I also wanted to ask, because there's something, especially in this track, I think what's most amazing about him is how the formal complexity of his songs are, re- are quite hidden. 
Yeah, like, it must have been pretty fucking difficult to play. <laughs> Just as a song it to was. learn, as a like, and as a kind of style then to take on and try and bring into your own work. Yeah, I mean, do you mean finger picking in general, or this one specifically? Finger picking in, in general, but also this song. I yeah, think, like with its meandering. Yeah, yeah. Voice. I mean, it has this crazy double thumb hit thing every kind of cause and phrase. And it did take me kind of nine hours of just solid attempts to a kind of learn it. And then towards the end of the, the take, I was saying to you before my hand was kind of starting to prang a bit because I was like, I'm going to I'm going to fuck this up any second. Getting that so. organic 3am feeling. Yeah. <laughs> just by staying up. Playing it over and over again. Actually, that's very that. true, yeah. Very yeah. sad and very true. And, and the version you've recorded, Anthony, it's like a mixture of the kind of album version, which is maybe a bit more famous, and a kind of... Is it a demo version? That, that's the, yeah, so... The more finger-picky one. Yeah, the heads have dug out this uh, demo <laughs> version, and it's on YouTube. And I think he's probably recorded it on a reel-to-reel in his room. Yeah. So naturally... That's great for every Nick Drake. <laughs> that's wherever you want to be, and uh, inside the mind. And uh, yeah, he plays it at lightning speed. In the, uh, I mean, I don't know how he does it. I mean, I don't know how he does a lot of things. Actually, it's like, um, yeah, that's it's it's a great version. And the album version is much more like meandering, mellow, and he actually strums it. But um, I tried to kind of pitch this between the two mm. to get that sort of. A, I can't play it that fast and be like, uh, I think it, I personally prefer it a little bit more easygoing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You kind of touched a little bit there on the uh, the Nick Drake fandom. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I've wondered uh, how you feel about entering into the uh, kind of Nick Drake cover. Yeah, well, the Culture. reason, the reason, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, I, don't, I, have, I have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> Um, Where do you place yourself between, <laughs> I don't know, like, the kind of uh, lion-maned um, bedroom strummers and the, uh, uh, I don't know, the uh, heroin like... sheep, uh, <laughs> canal <laughs> buskers. I definitely feel like I'm a, a kind of a toddler in that world because, yeah, some people are just very deeply ingrained in the... Maybe a bit too ingrained. <laughs> yeah, maybe... <laughs> I mean, some some uh, YouTube searches is enough to throw up the weird and the wonderful Nick, Nick Drake, Drake cover. Yeah. <laughs> it really is like opening a door into the just the the bedrooms of many <laughs> middle-aged men, I guess, but, or, or and women and and young men, but, and women and young. Yeah, younger, it's just younger than before. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> it is just a thing. It's just uh, he he has this cult following and it still feels like a cult following and it um it's amazing that it is that um but i suppose but i have know. a little story about i played in two years ago i played a gig in palermo um in sicily um at this lovely bar called storto and i was kind of you know nervous to play there and stuff how the music be received so the night before i went there for a drink and they were playing pink moon so i was like oh, i'm gonna be fine <laughs> and the, <laughs> yeah. next, the next day i covered this home. song for them and out of the whole set like they definitely just really loved that they all like listened I could tell you know and the, when you feel it in the room people are listening so yeah that was a really cool feeling mm. to be like on a kind of distant shore but there's that somehow at home yeah but I think like I mean you know bringing up the 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 Nick the Nick Bros <laughs> the facetious way of talking about the difference between you know influence 
and how that how you kind of mobilize your love of Nick Drake how that kind of finds its way into your own work versus people who kind of try and just replicate yeah um and 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 the kind of uncanny strangeness mm. and funniness of that attempt at recreation mm. so i mean yeah i mean how do you feel i guess it's, it must be difficult to quantify but how do you feel like yeah you live with this song <laughs> in end of day um what the 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 album track yeah or, the album track yeah i think you nailed it when you said it has that kind of um uh slight nostalgia about it or mm. that feeling of um i can't remember how you termed it it was better than that but um it has a kind of uh, reaching yearning that was it that uh, is a quality I feel in his music which I really responded to I don't know why mm. but I he always has this ability in most of some of his great songs like you know Riverman or Three Hours or like I don't know just name any of them this is actually just going to be like 10 Nick Drake <laughs> yeah. yeah, number 11 I might do like John Martin <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just there. I don't know what it is. He can he kind of has this, like you say, hidden complexity with the arrangements of the guitar, but also his string arranger uh, Robert Kirby was just a genius um, of kind of pulling it away from um, you know the guitar centric stuff and just creating this like sphere of atmosphere around everything he mm. did. Um, and you can hear the influence like in. Uh, um, all the albums I don't know it still sounds incredibly fresh I think is the thing about Drake he doesn't sound like a product of like the folk scene of the 60s it's quite timeless yeah I think. yeah. And he I, doesn't have yeah. that kind of like folk voice <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean the, the, yeah. the kind of tremolo uh, we could do an impression but I won't do that. <laughs> So we'll save that for the uh, it's a venerable voice <laughs> yeah that'll be for the Patreon we talked about them yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah it is timeless I don't know why it's, I was going to say this earlier that although I kind of had a purple patch of like listening to it just on non-stop and like getting obsessed with the guitar I still put it on and I'm like um, yeah totally just you know happy to be listening it doesn't feel like I'm referring to my past it's mm. like yeah I can I can just yeah take it all in again and it feels new um, and the producer of my record Oscar Kaner like shout out Oscar massive shout out Oscar <laughs> who was like the uh, other 50% of what uh, making quiet rooms he um I mean he said a super Nick Drake head thing one night like um, when we were mixing uh, I kind of we were just talking about his guitar playing um, Nick Drake says and uh, he said this thing, which I thought was so sweet. He was like, yeah, I've been thinking about him a lot recently. And I was just, you know, it's just a, it's a crazy thing to say about a musician, you know? Yeah. But it's sort of, you know, in a way it does sort of wrap up that sort of, it all feels very personal with him for some reason. Mm. And uh, I just found that very moving. Mm. Yeah. Um, but in a, in a way that was, you know, like, yeah, it's, uh, it's just one of those things. Definitely. I would say there's a real kind of skinless quality to his voice, isn't it? In the sense mm. that it's just like, an open nerve. Yeah, mm. completely. Yeah. And I think that it's hard not to respond to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah, every time you hear it, it's it's the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, we should probably get down to business because we are here after all to celebrate quite <laughs> yeah. And to explain, you know, part of the reason for this podcast was that um, the album has been delayed. Um, you know, and it's kind of, it's, this gives us an opportunity to kind of... Apologise. 
<laughs> Profusely. <laughs> I was actually thinking of another pivot. Uh, we can go with that one. We'll start with apologies because, um, you know, we are booksellers after all. Yeah. We, we constantly feel the need we're, to apologise. We're used to disappointing yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it happens every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we um, we should hear at the end of the day. Yeah. At the end of the day. <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. Here is the end of the day. Shadow 